0: Welcome to Baseball's Inside Journey, the podcast that helps players and parents grow their baseball knowledge. This is the show that specializes in youth baseball, and now here's Coach Drew and Eric Powers. All right, welcome back to Baseball's
1: Inside Journey. What's up? I'm Eric Powers, along with Coach Drew. What's hey, up, man? You good? good to good? be here again. We're back, yeah, and we got another special guest, man. And we've seen this man work firsthand. Colin Henderson. Big round of applause, Colin. Virtual clappery, kind of, sort of. Uh, but you helped our kids, Colin, uh, actually, when they were in uh, All-Stars from the mental side. And uh, not only is Colin a mental performance coach, he's a CEO and podcast host of Master Your Mindset, mental conditioning coach for colleges across the country, mental conditioning consultant. And, I, man, I, I thought you said, too, not only is he a coup, which we love, Wazoo, but um, I thought I heard that, and I remember you saying that you worked with a certain quarterback we used to have with the Seahawks. Isn't
2: that right? Yes. Well, if you follow the Hawks, <clears throat> you like Mr. Russell Wilson, most wins <laughs> of any quarterback in the first 10 years of his career, won a Super Bowl. But, yeah, well, he understands that there are three things you can train, your body, your craft, and your, your mind. And early in his career, he that's been a huge, huge focus for him. But I think anybody looking at you know, parents, coaches, athletes, um, a great baseline assessment. You know, th- think of me as a strength coach, but for your mindset. You know, how emotionally, mentally fit, endurance, um, how you how you can ad- adapt and be present. You know, uh, how much time do you spend on your on your body, mm-hmm. getting you know stronger, faster. How much time do you spend on your craft or your skills? We're talking baseball, so hitting in the batting cage, you know, doing long toss, uh, pitching in a bullpen, fielding. But the third piece is, is your mindset, is your mind. I mean, going to the batting cage and hitting for three hours is not going to guarantee you're going to get hits.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Structure on how to train to focus on the right things, use language and self-talk to be dialed in. To when, when you picture the at bat, is it you're picturing you're not, not failing or you're seeing this is the exact pitch that I want? Those skills can be, can be trained.
0: Colin, you know this is Coach Drew. One of the things that I've been focusing on this year for our thirteen U team, uh, Eric's son is all is on the team as well, uh, is specifically baseball IQ, uh, where they are they're all talented hitters at this level. So going up there to the plate to be ready to hit, be looking for a certain pitch and know what you're going to do with it, and basically having a plan while you're up there. But the but the one thing. That I honestly am failing to do is after now talking to you and hearing you is is also kind of get help them set, get their mind right, accomplish what that that plan is. How would you kind of try to implement something in there uh, or help us to do that?
2: Well, I think the first thing, if I was coaching the mental game, is just awareness that there are three things you can train, and then what are you doing for the, all those three buckets? Most young performers would say. For the third bucket, the mental game, we're doing nothing. So, foundationally, I would ask any performer, where is your focus most of, of the time? It could be in the past, the present, or the future. So, anytime you're on the baseball field, anytime you're doing a podcast or doing a test or, or meeting somebody or in a, a new environment, you have to be, have that awareness says, where is my focus? If I'm reliving... You know, I'm looking at shame or your past mistakes or how you screwed up, and that's blocking your your focus. If your mind is "Don't screw up," what if I don't get a hit? What if I get a hit? You know, will I have other opportunities? Or, you know, how many followers am I getting on TikTok or all this stuff? You're not in the present moment. We're are in the present moment, you can't mm-hmm. execute at the highest level. Mindfulness is the practice of awareness to be present without judgment. Now, we need to just be be learn how to not judge and overly beat ourselves up and i think uh, especially when you're on an all-star team there's other good players there and i got to speak to, to your, your kids a few years ago and it's you're not in your own lane you're constantly judging well what are they doing how many hits do they have well i don't have any hits. Or how many are they playing shortstop hang on i'm not i'm not playing shortstop so it's just train your mind to be to be uh, here
0: Perfect. What are what are some appropriate type of of strategies for say maybe a 10-year-old as opposed to a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old because obviously mentally they're at different places in their lives. What would you say to that?
2: No, when is the right age to eat the right food? When is the right age? Yeah. the right age to be fit and exercise? Like you can teach these concepts to kids who are 3 and, and 4 years old and just your your breath is always present. Um, being Great. engaged in the moment is always very important. So, it's just <clears throat> asking the questions and having some different systems to, as a, as a family, as a as a as a team, just to practice your mind to be to be to be right here.
1: No doubt. So we're we're focused on talking to to parents, uh, and they're really kind of our P1s of this podcast and trying to learn how to, you know, be involved with your child's life without overreaching, but making the right impact. And you had a great saying, and I don't want to mess it up, but it's basically the car ride home after a game, whether it was good or bad. What should the parents be talking to with their kids? What should they say? How should they be involved, Colin?
2: Yeah, and this is the research from from Bruce Brown, who's actually from the Northwest. He done a lot of work in this area of helping parents have the right tools. And he actually surveyed student athletes who are at a high level. And they said, Well, what, what, did, what did what did what did your parents say to get you in the right frame line to love the game and to be engaged and to not feel that stress and, and like pressure? And the irony is is there's research done by, by I9 Sports. 31% of youth athletes wish their parents weren't at their games. <laughs> so, so, it, it, so that's one out of three of kids out there on the field. I wish my mom and dad wasn't here. <laughs> so then I, I, would ask, I would ask parents, you know, is it ironic that your kids have their best games when you're not there? <laughs> it, that's
3: great.
2: It's probably because they're, you know, without awareness, adding unwanted pressure stress because they're hyper analyzing every single game, every mm-hmm. single play. Wow. Which, the, the, let's not forget, this is a game. These are not professionals. These are children. So when your child plays checkers, you analyze, why don't you make that move on that third, you know, whatever. It's like, no, you just go on to the next thing. Yeah. So the best thing that, 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 uh, that Bruce Brown found is that to give your kids the great environment to thrive and to find the love from within, not, not because of you. So parents, the question is, do they play because it's your love or is it because of their love of the game? Mm-hmm. so these six words every parent should just say these six words after the game it's i love to watch you play and then you zip it and a prime example is grandparents are the best fans yeah grandparents are the model because they do not hyper analyze they don't overpraise, they don't scold they're just there with them and they're just happy to be there
3: yeah.
1: Gosh, that's, that's per- powerful. That it? is powerful, man. Yeah, that is very powerful. And and we forget that and funny. Coach Drew and I always talk about parents reactions even before, during and after the game. <laughs> and it's, it's like got to be one of our biggest topics. It right?
0: is. And we actually haven't really addressed that topic too much, or at least in too much detail in any of our previous episodes. But it's definitely something that's coming. We just want to make sure we handle that uh, sensitive topic the right way. <laughs> so that's well, really a. Uh, I understand.
2: Yeah. I understand. So here, here's another question if I was doing a, a, a seminar for, for parents, I'd say, All right, parents, thank you for being here. So excited that you know, I think you could not put together scientists in a lab and create an environment that trains life skills better than sports. I actually think baseball is probably the best because there's so much failure mm-hmm. and there's ownership that each player has to have for themselves. Also, it's a, it's, a, it's a team game. But um, the question is, is, you know, how many coaches have your kids had in their, in their career, in their young career? Think about, it, like, camps and um, teams and how, training. There, it's 10, 15, 20, 50. I had one parent's a 100 coaches. Like, yes, that's awesome. Okay, <laughs> parents, how many coaches have you had to be the best parent you can be for your child?
1: A fat zero.
2: Right. Like, like God. <laughs> okay, so hold up. You want your kids to be coachable. You want your kid to have a growth mindset. You want your kid to, you know, take ownership of, of their role, but you're such a hypocrite. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: Like, what are you doing to to look at the research-based, evidence-based things to create the right environment for the kids to have intrinsic drive, not because of you're making them? Because it's the irony is like do you want your kid to be great and to perform at a high level, um, but that can never sustain if it's coming from you. It, it will never sustain. So you're actually robbing them from their joy. And the, the research shows that 70% of youth athletes quit sports by the age of 13. This is a travesty. Wow. Whoa. And, and, you, and you wonder why is this happening. I think there's a lot of things happening. But I think the first thing that I see, I think kids are associating shame and fear with a sport. Yeah. And they're attacking their identity and where they receive love from. 100%. So, so where, you talked
1: about this a little bit before, but. When you see kind of examples of, you know, and we're not trying to get necessarily our kid, you know, to be playing MLB, but who knows? That's a dream of every child. So, and I know of, of some parents, but reality wall, that's zero 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 point one percent of kids it to the MLB. So my, my, more of my question is, what have you seen or heard or understand through all of your teachings and knowledge of successful athletes that have made it? How did their parents help? Uh, surround them with the right language and the right comfort and the right love. What's kind of that litmus test?
2: Well, let's just look at the evidence. I'll talk about Mike Trout, highest-paid player in baseball. Is he still the highest-paid player? Uh, I think so. I think to this up point, he is. Yeah. Three. So. Yep. Well, they asked his parents. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Trout, what'd you do for your for my young Mike growing up in the Northeast? It's really cold. Very rare to see someone that successful in that part of the country. Like, what'd you do to help him develop his skills? To help his mindset. His dad said it was really simple. If Mike went zero for five with five strikeouts or five for five with five home runs, we didn't care. All we would evaluate and talk about is how was your effort? Were you a good teammate? That's mm. all we. That's all we care about. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> look at the evidence. I mean, very successful. Um, and then Kobe, the, the Mamba. I mean, arguably one of the most ferocious um, competitors ever to don you know a, a court or a field. And Kobe was on a, a podcast, you know, obviously before he died tragically. And they said, well, where did that Mamba mindset come from? Just just a, just a competitive, just almost an obsession with the game. And it really wasn't about he wanted to win championships, but Kobe was obsessed with the game of basketball. And he said, well, my, my dad played in the NBA. He played in Europe. And when I was 11 years old, we moved back to the United States from Europe. And we're in, in, in Philadelphia. I was in a, a summer basketball league, and I didn't score one point. I didn't score a point. Never knew who my dad was, and it was embarrassing. I remember the last game. I was like, "Kobe, just get one bucket, so you don't have to, you know, leave this this league this season. Just empty, just get one bucket." He didn't score a point that game, and he's telling the story after the game. My, you know, my, my head was down. I was dragging. I felt embarrassed. I let down my dad. I let down, you know, myself. And I'm am a fraud. I'm maybe I'm not a basketball player. And he said, in that moment, my my life changed. Because how many parents put their self-image attached to how whether their, their, their kid does or you know, wanting to be liked or like socially, like how they want to feel with how their kid plays? He said, well, my, my dad changed my life. He put his arm around me. He said, Kobe, if you score 60 points or zero, it's not going to matter to me. I love you for you. It's not going to matter mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And Kobe said, boom, in an instant, that, that mama mindset was crazy. I wasn't afraid to fail. Yeah, wow, that's perfect. I was, I'm not afraid to fail, and so that whole off season, he said, that my whole whole point was just I'm going to work to get, I'm going to work to to get better. And going back to uh, my favorite uh, acronym TBT, thoughts become things. Kobe's last game as a Laker, he scored sixty points. <laughs>
3: Isn't
2: that interesting? That's amazing.
1: That's very interesting. Kind of, kind of, almost, it gives you
0: goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> it just did actually. That's crazy, man.
2: The, if you were to look at like how do we create confidence? Research from um, 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 Andrew Lane, uh, he looked at you know where does confidence come from? Uh, BBC Lab, and they found that self-talk was number no one driver to create that that energy to, to be confident. And we can recondition, rewire some of these old thought patterns by using language as a tool. So just like you would pre-plan, you know, some of your outfits, or you would you know go to the grocery store for the week, and you would plan your your meals. To start to recondition and to quiet the noise because a lot of times we our, – our thought life and our, our, our world and our, and our brain is conditioned by, like, what we're watching on TV, what we looked at on Instagram, what people in our, our work environment are saying. Well, start to write down and pre-plan what should I focus on, what are some language and some words and some statements that are true that I want to give my mind to, so – I would say if there's anything I can teach a kid or an adult or a pro athlete or a college athlete or a sales professional or, or a CEO is to not let yourself talk be random. Mm. Is to design. Design the language. Because words fuel action. And um, the brain thinks in 4D. The first dimension are words or thoughts. The, the next dimension is our picture. So just by saying a word, it creates a picture that your brain sees. So if I say giraffe or don't think of a giraffe i mean you thought of a giraffe or in-laws. if i say in-laws you're probably you have a picture of uh you know but your words create pictures and pictures create feelings it creates an an emotion so i think where why are kids quitting sports because they're associating baseball or volleyball or fast pitch or name it with pictures or experiences of their past that were not good and creates an emotion that's hurtful harmful and they want to avoid and get out of it because it doesn't feel good it's not fun they, they are projecting that this experience will happen again
3: mm-hmm.
2: so i'm going to get out of here and mm-hmm. then the, the fourth dimension is it forms a belief so like i said we need to and I, i'm not a therapist i'm a mindset coach yeah. but there needs to be some unpacking what are you associating fear about this thing that that, that you're doing
0: but well, you just said just a little bit earlier, Colin is is that you talked about parents quite a bit, and hopefully you know, most of our most of our listeners will be parents, and I hope that they can take something out of this as well and so for your advice for those parents other than just you know the the talk on the right home and some of those things, but how could they help their child get started and maybe even get themselves started on a journey to start having more positive teaching their kid more positive self talk and maybe even being looking within a little bit more? And and figure out what the messages they're giving their son or daughter.
2: Yeah, well, our, our beliefs are not based off of truth. Our perception of the truth. So let's start to help them recreate some truths about they are they are in a safe place. That they, they can be themselves. They're allowed to to, to fail. Um, they can ask questions. They're allowed to take ownership. For something because they want it, not because mom and dad are saying they can do it. But here's a few basic questions you can ask your kid. The first one is, "Why do you play?" Have you ever asked your kids kids that, Drew and Eric?
1: No, no, I have not.
2: <laughs> why?
1: Because I, I, in my mind, I think that it is almost self answered and obvious. But I, but I'm 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 probably wrong. But I'm just saying it feels like. We're almost in the simpatico kind of like place where we we're both speaking baseball language all the time, and it's just like it's what we do. It's it, it is our release. It is our exercise. It is our camaraderie. It's our friendship. So I guess I assume he thinks the same way I do. But
2: you're assuming.
1: I am assuming. You're right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe it's true. But why would we why would we guess? Stop being a mind reader. Yeah. A- allow them to own it for them. Mm-hmm. And and find different ways why they like it. Maybe you liked it because you played with your dad as a kid. Maybe your kid likes likes the the aspect socially. I, I, I have no idea. Maybe they admire my Trout or somebody else. I don't know. But it, it'd be good to just. And, and here's the other question I ask parents: If your kids were not in the room and they're with me, and I'm I'm their coach, I'm their mentor, I'm their safe place where we're learning the you know the power of the mind. Mindset work, and that's you know, the third bucket we can train. And if you want to be great, you got to have all three, and this is the bucket we're going to train. And we and, and asked about fear like, what, what are you afraid of? Like, when you make an error, or you make a mistake, or you strike out, you know, walk three hitters in a row, and you feel that thing in your stomach, what do you, what's the origin of that fear?
3: Hmm.
2: What do you think kids most often will, will say, knowing that you're not in the room and that what they tell me is completely safe? Parents. What my,
0: what my parents are going to think.
2: I've surveyed hundreds of kids. The number no one answer is parents. <laughs> Do you think they would be honest with you? And, and you ask them, okay, when you feel like yucky inside and you, you feel worried and fear, like, what are you really afraid of? Do you think they would honestly give you an honest answer?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, probably not. No. So I, I I think we just need to recreate. And this is bigger than baseball. This is bigger than. A sport. This is like, are we creating an honest, honest safe environment for our kids that they can talk to us where we're not too too invasive of in their private life? But um, a question for parents is what's more important, your relationship with your child, or how good their batting average is?
1: When you put it that way.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So I don't know. So I, I would say, you know, what, wh- wh- why do you play? Yep. Um, what, what do you love about the game? You know what, what creates warrior stress when, when you're out there? Like if you can just create a safe place where you can just get these things out there, and it, there's not this like hidden, scary thing. I, I think it just will just relieve so much tension, and, and just stress. Once it gets out there, it's like you know uh, the longer you wait, it adds weight. It's just a thing we're just holding on to these things are not not even aware of. And a, a question that that the parents need to reflect on: How long does it take your kid to be a kid when the game's over? Mm -hmm. yeah
1: that's a great
2: point
0: say colin of your you of your five books and and two journals that uh, that you've written what what would be the good place for parents to start maybe if if they were going to purchase one of your books or maybe several of them what, what would be the one that you would recommend based on the topics we're talking about today
2: um i have a book um for parents uh you know if you go to amazon right, right. now positive parenting is a book it's like 73 pages it's oh. like the easiest book i've ever written um and it really was it really was inspired by you know working in my, early in my career man i i would meet kids at starbucks at six o'clock in the morning and it was all for free i didn't get paid but i was just pouring in and mentoring these kids because they were craving the stuff yeah they're, they're, they weren't getting it in schools, they weren't getting it from their coach, they weren't getting it from their teachers or their parents are not mindset coaches they don't know a lot of these terms they look at something on Instagram and forward it to them <laughs>
3: you <know>. that's
2: true <laughs> but like, to me it's like building the, the connections and having the conversations and just creating a place I think everybody needs a community and a coach no matter how old you are Yeah, and just giving some system structures Um yeah, I think if you're a parent, that would be a good place to start. I mean, you know, we have five kids. How do you name your favorite kid? Pretty tough. Mm-hmm. All the books will, will, be, will be pretty solid. Um, now that's the other question is, um, are parents doing their part to educate themselves on, you know, different things? Or getting into a, a parent small group and, like, sharing best practices on ways we can create environments that are engaging fun but also challenge the right way? You know, what different resources, what – um the fact that you guys brought me out to the All-Star thing and talking about my was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that was fun. Tonight. Oh, great. Yeah, I wasn't aware of it, honestly, but I thought, wow, this is this is such a important piece that, honestly, all of these kids at this age and, and then going beyond uh, beyond Little League and into travel ball, select ball, these kids can all play. They all have shown an aptitude to be able to throw, catch, hit, and, and do all those things. And And I've always said one of the differences between guys that – Maybe don't go any further than 13U or maybe no further than 18U or guys that make it up to AAA but not the majors. The difference between all those different players a lot of times is what I hear also is their mindset and, and are they able to make adjustments mentally. And, and those are things that I think is really powerful and we try to teach the kids these things. But that's why I think this interview is so, so powerful for our listeners is because you bring a really unique angle to it and it's not just about... Have an idea what pitch is coming, but also calming your mind, as you say, and 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 make your thoughts become things. And I, I just love all of yeah. those messages that you have.
2: Well, and I think if I can leave you with a simple tool, any parent can teach their their child or as a family. And I'm guessing most of you drive your kids to games. They're mm-hmm. not sick yet, correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And how long of a, of a commute do you have to, oh. to practice or game? At least ten minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. So here's a four-minute mindset workout that anybody can do, and I'll give you four steps. The first step is to just breathe. So to teach your kid, if you watch a, a, a major league game or a college game, most hitters, before they take a step of the batter's box, they take a, a slow a slow breath. So I want you to watch TV this week, this week and you'll see it almost every single time. Mm-hmm. So your breath is always with the present moment. Your breath is always here. That slow exhale tells your subconscious you're not in danger. And the, the interesting is that we know that elite focus is paramount. Elite focus in baseball, being here locked in, dialed in. But most people don't train that. So just looking at your breath, feeling your breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, or just in through your nose, and take a few slow, calming breaths, it just it, it gets you calm. But then for a minute, the, the, the challenge is, it's to think of nothing but just breathing. So bad thoughts are bad. Good thoughts are good. No thought is best. Hmm, okay. When you're not thinking, you're most, you're most optimizing yourself. Because sometimes good thoughts set there's an expectation or maybe some pressure. is very outcome-based where no thought is present moment-based. No thought is like process-based. And, and that is a skill that we can train. So if you did one-minute a day of just breathing every day, like you're going to start to train elite focus. And the thought may come and go. Don't judge the thought. Just come back to your breath. Love it. Wait, you mean tell me the, the the object of this of this drill is to think of nothing but just breathing? Yeah, that's the object of this drill, buddy. Is <laughs> just is. It, but a lot of kids can't do that.
1: Yeah. You know? No, serious.
2: You mean sit still? Yeah. <laughs> right? Put down my phone. How much? How much time do you have with yourself in the outfield or at third base? <laughs> and it's a long, it's a long inning. Like, what are you thinking about? Well, let's lock it in. <laughs> let's train how to be right here. There's too much data on mindfulness that it's so healing. It's so good for, for grit resilience. Um, I don't know. Uh, that we can train that. And then the next, the next model is I call the HA method. It's an acronym H a W. So minute one is just breathing. Find your breath. The bigger the moment, the, the, the bigger the, the breath. Just train that. Your breath is always here. The HA method is the ages. I have. So it's, I have, I am, I will. I have, is just thoughts of gratitude. Is the game a have to or is this a get to? Do you focus on what you don't have or mm-hmm. what you do have? Do you focus on all your faults or your shortcomings or do you give thanks for all the blessings you have? All mm-hmm. the good stuff. You like what you see in the mirror? Mm-hmm. Are you giving yourself reasons why you're gonna lose or reasons why you're gonna win? So again, this is a trained skill, and maybe I'll throw this, you know, listeners I'll ask you this question. Drew and Ayers, what percent of human thoughts are negative? 80%? <laughs>
1: Someone's
2: read the book, yeah. Yeah, right? The <laughs> National Science Foundation found that 80% of human thoughts are negative, and 95% wow. of human thoughts are reoccurring. Oh,
1: wow. I didn't remember so that the part. brain
2: is designed to survive, not thrive. It's designed to survey the environment, look, look for threats and dangers. Your brain is a survival machine. It's designed to worry.
3: Hmm.
2: It's designed to worry. Hmm. If you're not worrying, the, the higher chances of you living is not not high because you got to look tigers, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> lions, shelter threats. But like now, we've shifted these threats physically to: Do I look cool? Do I yeah, look right. intelligent? Am I am I am I you know popular? Am I batting third today? You know, and like your whole social structure is, is tied to your worth to what you think other people think. Mm-hmm. Right. So we got to override that brain's wiring for negativity. And gratitude lowers stress. There's just so much good data that lowers the, the anxiety and depression. Uh, Duke actually found uh, people who are optimistic and grateful win more in business and in sports. I mean, it's pretty some good data on, on gratitude. Wow. That's so the next one, so we got breathing, then the hot method I have. The next one is I am, which those are two really short words, but maybe the two most powerful words you can say to start any sentence, I am. And then you just give yourself an inventory of a powerful self-talk, a positive self-talk
3: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: that's rooted in truth. So it's, it's what I call credible self-talk. You can just do, like you know, affirmations that are not rooted in truth that that does nothing. Actually, research shows that the affirmations not rooted in truth actually is is worse for you. But go back to like, okay, I have overcame some hard things. I have put in the work.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I am ready for this. I have a great you know, set of teammates and parents and group. You know, I'm I'm ready for this, man. I'm just hey, just compete, attack. Why not me? Let's get this. Like just start to train the language. Cause again, words create pictures, which create creates emotions and create beliefs. And these beliefs flow into our actions. Language is the wardrobe of our beliefs. So don't make this random. Have, have a plan because you're going to have time in between each at bat. You're going to have time in between innings. How are you going to talk to yourself? D- is, your, yep. is your self-talk going to be created by what just happened or what you just saw? No, you are disciplined and trained. I know the language I'm going to look at because you can only think about one thought at a time. If you don't feel that thought was unproductive, your brain will give you something negative to think about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. I know that.
2: So this is a trained skill that's elevating confidence. So then the last one I will is visualize what you want. What's great about um, using this in sport, I mean, this has been proven, you know, different countries, Russia, China, Korea. I mean, America's got a lot of studies. Uh, Everything happens twice, first in our mind, then in real life. The brain cannot tell the difference between what is real and what is imagined. Mm. so a lot of kids are in that car and they're thinking about don't screw up
3: mm-hmm.
2: don't strike out what would happen if I, if I make, make an, an error so without knowing it they are creating neural pathways of, of, of failure and there's a great book called the body keeps the score like your cells are storing these images and you subconsciously act out what you think about that I told sense. the story of Bill Buckner in 1986 World Series against the Mets. He, a ball went right through his legs. Uh, cost them the game.
3: Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. If you remember that. I remember it Buckner really well. <laughs>
2: yeah, but th- there was a video that, that surfaced on ESPN E60 years ago. Bill Buckner was interviewed on camera like 12 days before that game. And the reporter said, hey, talk about the World Series. What are your thoughts? And he, I'm just going to like verbatim he said something like this. Yeah, the dreams are that you have success and win, but the nightmare is, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's ball go between my legs, costs oh. us, a sometimes these things happen, it's just fate. Oh, oh man, jeez. You literally said that. So, uh, oh, no. why would you say stupid stuff I love, but why would you allow your mind to just go down these worst-case scenarios and just live in this fear state? So we need to override us, but by conditioning, visualizing, experiencing how we want to show up.
1: Great point. Thank you, Colin. We got to have you back, man. And and if uh, you want to seek more of uh, what Colin's doing from Quiet Mind to Master Your Mindset to Rise Journal uh, and get on that email, then go to thecolin2lshenderson.com. Thanks, brother. Really appreciate your time.
2: So the mission of my company, Master Mindset, is to transform lives and normalize mindset training. So just having this conversation, we're creating the dialogue and the the discussion. So thank you so much.
0: Uh, so important. Yeah, really appreciate you having on, and, and maybe we could have you on again sometime.
2: Sounds good.
0: This has been a production of Baseball's Inside Journey, LLC. This podcast does not constitute advice or services and is primarily designed for educational purposes only. We encourage your feedback and topic ideas at facebook.com slash podcast.baseball.